Well, I'm so glad to be here today, and I got one word to say to begin with, and that word's just wow. Wow. And part of my wow is what has already happened, and the other part of the wow is what God has been putting in my heart the last few weeks, getting ready to come here. Come on. And the reality of what God wants to do and wants to say to you. But before we get started, I got to take care of something to, um, week, week, week before last, I was praying about you guys and about coming down here, and um, the Lord showed me on the right-hand side of the sanctuary, three rows back, there was going to be a lady sitting with dark hair and a jean jacket, and it's this one lady right over here, and uh, I saw a glimpse of her. She, got, she had her jean jacket on earlier, and, and the word that the Lord had for you, I saw this picture, and there was this old cowboy tall, thin, rugged face, weather-worn, and as I watched, he stood tall and firm, and as I watched, his face began to age, and he got a little older and a little older, and then I saw him sit down on an old porch, like in the old west, in a chair, and he sat there, and as I watched, his face got a little little, uh, more wrinkled and a little more weathered, And, and after a while, he just began to bow his head, and life left him. And I heard the word, but I love the Old West. And the Lord just wants to say to you that that season in your life that has seemed to end, that is drawing to an end, that he wants to encourage you as wonderful and as incredible as that was, the season I have for you now will be even better. The love you had for that will be multiplied for this. And he just wants to encourage you this morning. Amen. So, all right, so, man, what a year it's been, amen? Woo! The year of COVID. The year that has turned absolutely everything in life seemingly upside down. A year that has completely transformed and changed the way we think, the way we look at things. And it's during this year, way back in March of last year, the Lord just really began to stir in my heart that in this season, in whatever this thing was going to turn out to be, and now it's a year long, that there was going to be, uh, he wanted to work in the midst of that, that he wanted to do something. And, and what I just sensed to is that the Lord was saying, what I want to do is I want to, I'm bringing a new season to my church. I'm bringing a new season in which my bride can begin to move to the next level in the preparation for the bridegroom. Because ultimately, come on, that's what, that's what he's doing, and he's preparing the bride for the bridegroom. Amen? And we're the bride. He's preparing us. He's pouring into us. He's working in us. And so as we came to this new year, I have lots of friends who are like, well, we're looking for a word for 2021. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, God doesn't really work in that way. But I begin to say, Lord, I know you're, you're birthing a new epic season in the life of the church. What words would you have for that? What things, what guides, what things would direct us as we seek to begin to walk in that that which God has? And he gave me three words. Number one was the word presence. Number two was power, and number three was authority. And the reality is, as I look at those words, God's saying, you know what, presence being in his presence, seeking his presence, growing in his presence, hanging out, basking, soaking in his presence in this next era is going to be so critical. But the reality is, I know that's not a new word for the church. And that's not a new word for New Covenant. My gosh, you're the worship center. Come on, man. You guys love his presence. You're seeking his presence. You desire his presence. Coming off a 21-day fast where you've been pressing in for greater intimacy and presence in your life. And, man, we need that, amen? Because to borrow a phrase, it's out of intimacy that we go to destroy the works of the devil. See, it's intimacy where those things flow. But listen, the second piece is that it's not just intimacy, it's power. The power of Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, and the reality is this, that it's out of intimacy that power begins to flow into our lives. Come on, amen? 
Come on. I don't know a lot about this house. I know Eric, and I know Tom, and I've met Sarah before. And, 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 but I don't know a lot about your house. But, man, I blew in here this morning, and I'm sitting here. And I'm like, man, you guys are all over the presence thing. And you're talking about signs and miracles and wonders. And you're like, I'm like, come on, Lord, just preach it before I get up. <laughs> your desire. But I want you to understand something. You and I can have all the power in the world. We can have all the power of the kingdom at our fingertips. But if we don't have the authority, we can do nothing. I got a good friend who is the director of the water company for the city of Anderson. He's in charge of the wells. He's in charge of you know, the treatment plant. He's in charge of all the tens of thousands of customers. And when there's a problem, Neil can send out all the power in the world. Man, he can send out crews, he can send out bulldozers and excavators and all kinds of stuff. They can have pipe, and they can go out to the job site, and they can unload it, and man, they'd be ready just to rip the snot out of the ground. But if they don't have authority to dig in my front yard, all that power is worthless. They don't have the authority to cut the street, to stop traffic. It's worthless. See, it requires authority. And praise the Lord that he's been preparing us with the first word and the second word. But I came by today to talk about the third word. To talk about the authority that we have as sons and daughters of the king. What a powerful piece. If you'll humor me for a few minutes, I just want to make sure we lay a clear biblical foundation of the authority we've been given. It goes way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1. And God says in Genesis 1, 26, it says, Then the Lord said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and over the livestock and over the earth, and on every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. But I love verse 28. And God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God proceeds to say, everything that I created, I'm putting under your rule, under your dominion. I'm going to give it to you to take care of. I'm going to take for you to rule and reign upon. And that was God's original design. That was the plan from day one that you and I would have the authority to reign and rule upon the earth. Say, well, but Adam and Eve messed it up. Well, Adam and Eve messed up the implementation of the plan. Adam and Eve gave away the authority of the plan. But listen, they didn't mess up God's plan. See, God's plan never changed. In fact, it says in Psalm 8, you know, David writes this, he says in verse 4, what is a man that you think of him, a son of man that you are concerned about him, yet you have made him a little lower than God and crowned him with every glory and majesty, and you have him rule over the works of your hand, and you have put everything under his what? Under his feet. He's talking about you and I. That's the plan. That's God's plan. Hadn't changed. Adam and Eve messed it up. But it hadn't changed. Oh, but then Jesus shows up. Oh, uh, Jesus comes, and oh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Well, yes. But Jesus came to do way more than that. Jesus came to give us back what was lost in the garden. See, Jesus came to restore the original plan. He came back to fulfill the original design. And I love this in verse, Luke chapter 9 as he's training up the next, the next leaders. Look what he says, verse 1. And now he called the twelve together and gave them. Gave them power and authority over, I, I struggle with that. What, what's that next word? All. all. Man, we really have a hard time with that word. All. He said, over all the demons and the power to heal diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform miracles. Matthew 10. A similar, you know, Matthew telling the same story. He says this, Jesus summons his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal. There's another tricky word. What's that next word? To heal what? Every, every disease and every sickness. 
Amen? What did Jesus do? Jesus comes to the disciples and said, hey, hey, here's the original plan. Are you ready? I'm giving you power and authority over all demons. Power and authority over all unclean spirits. I'm giving you power and authority over every sickness, over every illness, over every disease. Amen? I'm giving the authority to you that you would rule and reign upon the earth. That you have dominion. Luke 10. He sends out the 72. And the Lord said, and they come back and they say, Lord, even the demons are subject in our name. Come on, man. Jesus said, I've given you authority over all demons. They're like, man, we didn't really believe him, Jesus. Come on. We didn't really believe it. But man, we went out and man, in the name of Jesus, man, they all cowered down in front of us. Every single one of them. And, and they're blown away. But then Jesus ups the ante. Look what he says. He says, I have given you authority to walk on snakes and serpents. And scorpions. Brian Wise translation, you ready? To stomp on some snakes. Stomp on evil. I've given you power and authority to stomp on evil. Come on now. Uh, we did some stomping this morning, amen? Come on now. And I've given you authority to walk on snakes and scorpions, and I have given you authority over, there's that tricky word again, all of the power of the enemy. And nothing will injure you. Now watch this now. He says, I've given you power over all the, I've given you authority over all the power of the devil. And guess what? Because of you're my children and my authority, guess what? You can't touch this. Come on, some of you will remember that. You'll get that later. Come on. I'm an old school. That's hammer time right there, baby. Come on. No, let me give you a more biblical answer. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Come on now. Jesus is declaring, I've given you that authority upon the earth. Matthew 16. Jesus says, and when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, and one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you, who do yourself say that I am? Interesting question. And some... <laughs> And, and, and Simon Peter answered, and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Jesus is like, Hey, Peter, Peter, you didn't figure that out. You just got some revelation from the Father. Man, son, you heard what the Father was saying. How many of us love Revelation. Come on, how many of you love that we're hearing things from the Father and He's making things clear and things that aren't new, but things we didn't understand and know? Fresh revelation. But Jesus says, Peter, since you got revelation from the Father, let me give you a little more. He says, and also, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Now, I love that verse. In fact, that's one of my top five life verses right there. I love that verse, but, but I've spent years listening to many, many Christians look at that verse and interpret that verse and, and look at it this way. Think about it this way, that Jesus was calling the church to a defensive position. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not be over to overpower it. I will build my church, and watch this, when all hell's breaking loose, Around us, we can all hunker down in the walls. We can get behind the gates. We can all you know, hold on together. We can all kumbaya together, and Satan won't be able to get to us. That's what most of the church believes. Can I give you some commentary on that? <laughs> that is not what Jesus was saying. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, and I want my church not to be on defense, but offense. I want my church to take an offensive position in who he's created them to be. And you've got to understand, those are two very diverse pictures. One is a picture of the church that's hunkered down and holding out and hopeful that Jesus will hurry up and come. The other picture is a church who is out here, who knows who they are, who is pulling down strongholds, who's taking new territory, and, and listen, who, who, are, who are kicking devil butt and taking names. Come on, man. The question is, 
Whose new covenant going to be? Come on, I, I think you've already been answering that this morning. Come on, we don't want to be, you don't want to be a defensive church. You're not interested in hunkering down. You're interested in being on offense. And what's that mean? That no matter what the gates of hell come up with, no matter what they think of, no matter what the devil tries, it cannot, cannot prevail against the church. It cannot stop the church. It cannot. For too far too long, the church has been hunkered down. For far too long, we've just been sitting around hoping Jesus will come. And Jesus said, I never created you for that. He said, I created you to bring heaven to earth. I created you to bring my world into this world. I created you to have dominion. You say, well, Brian, how are you sure? How are you sure that we're supposed to be on offense? Because you know what? The world thinks that's kind of bad. See, when you're on offense... You know, Eric and I, we understand basketball, our sons played. The reality is, you know, well, we'll just play defense all the time. One, I played ball, I hated defense. But number two, guess what? You have to score. There has to come a point where you take the ball and go to the hole. Amen? And Jesus is saying to the church, come on, I've created you to score. I've created you to to, to overcome that which the enemy's created. You say, Brian, how are you sure? Well, let me give you two reasons this morning. Number one is this. Reason number one is the location where Jesus makes this proclamation. Here in Matthew, Jesus says, when they came to the city of Caesarea Philippi. Now, you've got to understand a couple things about Caesarea Philippi. It is in the very most northern region of Israel. And in fact, if you look at the map there, it's at the base of Mount Hermon. Now, Mount Hermon is the tallest mountain in Israel. In fact, it's, it's taller than that because it borders Syria. And so in Syria, it's 9,200 feet at the peak, but in Israel, it's 7,300 7, feet. And in the ancient Near East, they believed that the mountains held up the firmament or the sky. And so if you wanted to get closer to the gods, where'd you go? You got up on the mountain. And so archaeologists have discovered more than 20 pagan temples in the hills above Caesarea Philippi. But one of the temples close to town was that of Pan. It was the cave of Pan, actually. Now, Pan, here's a picture of Pan right here. But the reality is, Pan was a Greek god. If you know anything about the Greek mythology, he was considered to be a god. And his, his dad was Hermes, and his brother was Zeus. And the reality is that Pan was famous for multiple things, but his most famous thing was striking fear in the hearts of people. You know, what? that's why we get the, where we get the word panic. Come on now, a panic attack, fear attacking, we gave it Pan's name. How about pandemic? Come on, an epidemic, a disease that is striking fear in the hearts of people. That comes from pagan worship of the god Pan. Now it's interesting that the cave of Pan was there near Caesarea Philippi, and it was thought to be bottomless. In fact, when you went in, they, they couldn't see the bottom, they couldn't throw things that hit the bottom, and they believed it was bottomless, and because Pan was the son of Hermes, and Hermes was the Greek god that ushered people into the afterlife, they literally believed that the cave of Pan was the gateway of hell, was the gateway of Hades. And so here comes Jesus, dragging his guys clear to the north end of Israel, clear to Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, and what's he do? It's there, he says to the guys. Hey, who do they say I am? And when the Peter answers, he says, Peter, guess what? Upon this rock. Now, in classical theology, what have we done with that? Well, it's upon the profession of Jesus. Yes. But maybe, just maybe, Jesus standing at the base of the mountain saying, here at the center of pagan worship in our world, I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
Come on, that's no coincidence. There's no coincidence in the kingdom. The ki- Jesus didn't have them to show up one day and think, oh, this would be a good place. Come on, he took them there to make a proclamation that you and I would know, that they would know, all of us would know, that the gates of hell, there is no pagan anything on the earth that can overcome the church of Jesus Christ. See, that is the picture that Jesus paints. And he turns to us and says, I've given you authority to break down the gates of hell. But here's the second piece. Not only is it the location, but it's the covenantal promise that Jesus was fulfilling. Now, I didn't know this for a long time. In fact, just a couple months ago, I discovered this. I was studying the covenants. And in Abraham's covenant, something interesting happened. Now, you'll remember that the covenant started in Genesis 12 and Genesis 15, Genesis 17. And all along, God's been talking about the descendants of Abraham, your descendants, your descendants. But then there was a point where the final culmination of the covenant, if you understand covenant, one of the things that happened with covenant partners was they exchanged firstborn sons. And God says to Abraham, let's finish this, boy. Give me your son. And you know the story. They went up on the mountain. You know, immediately Abraham gathers up the wood and the fire and his son. And they go up three days to Mount Moriah, and they go up, and he ties him, and he lays him out. And as he's ready to plunge the knife into his son, the angel says, stop. And there was a ram in the thicket. You guys know that story. But I want you to listen, because it says in verse 17, the angel spoke a second time. Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your seed. All right, watch that now. Seed. He's talking about seed. Not descendants anymore, seed. You remember in the garden and the curse? What did God say to the serpent, to the devil? I will raise up the woman's seed against your seed. See, when they start talking seed, they're talking way down the line. All of a sudden, the covenantal language is now seed. And notice what he says. And your seed shall possess the gate of your enemies. The promise of God's covenant to Abraham, which still stands today, is that I will give you the gate of your enemies. You say, well, Brian, what's such a big deal about gates? Well, you got to understand city gates. What happened at the city gate? Authority happened there. That's where the elders came and sat. That's where they made decisions. That's where they set direction. That's who they decided who got in and out. If you sat at the city gate, it meant you had authority over the whole city. Now, you got to get this. Jesus takes the guys up to Caesarea Philippi, says, I will build my church upon this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What's he saying to them? He's saying, I'm going to give you authority over all the cities and all the strongholds and over all the stuff that Satan's been trying to build. Come on now. I'm going to give you the gate of those cities. Now, you and I could think a lot about that. What cities, what strongholds has the enemy been building? Come on, man, in personal lives, people, maybe our lives, maybe other people's lives that we know. What kind of cities? I don't know, during COVID, maybe the city of depression. Oh, the city of anxiety. Oh, the the city of broken marriage and broken families and hopelessness and self-centeredness and greed. Oh, come on, cities that he's been raising up. Or, Or what about in our culture? What about the strongholds that he's been building in our culture? The stronghold of abortion or pornography or sexual immorality. The stronghold of sexual abuse and human trafficking. And we can make a long, 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 long list. But what's Jesus saying? He says, I have given you authority. You possess my strength, my ability, my power, my authority to what? Just not only stop the enemy, but to destroy the works, the cities, the strongholds of the enemy. Come on, dude. He gave you the church. See, it's not the church. We, you, are the church. Amen? Say, I am the church. I have authority. He has given you authority. What a powerful picture is that. 
But listen, Jesus didn't stop there. Wouldn't that be enough? That would just be enough, wouldn't it? Be like, woo! Man, if we could just operate in that. But listen, Jesus wasn't done. Because in verse 19, what's he say? He says, and, 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 I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys. Now, keys are powerful things. Amen? Keys represent authority. Man, what would happen if I started coming over to Pastor Eric and, and Pastor Karen's house on a regular basis? You know, I come over and I pull in the drive, my big truck, my big Ford truck, and I park in the drive. I've been over your house a couple times. I think I can find it again. And <laughs> don't be worried. <laughs> and, and, and I pull up and I get out of my truck and I go up the sidewalk and I stand at the front door. What am I going to do? I'm going to knock. Maybe I'm going to ring the doorbell. I might give out a little shout, Pastor Eric! i got to do something to get their attention so they'll come what? Open the door and let me in. But what if Pastor Eric says, you know, Brian, you've come over two or three times and I've not been here and I feel bad about that. So what I'm going to do is just give you a key. A key to the front door. So the next time I come over, I come rolling up, I park my truck, I get out, I knock on the door, I leave a little shout, I press the doorbell, nobody answers. What am I doing now? Bam! Boom! I got the key, I unlock the door, and I go on the inside. Now when I get inside... I'm now in his kingdom, amen? And I don't have authority to just do whatever I want to in there because he gave me the key to the front door. So I might sit on the couch or sit in the chair or go out on the patio or, you know, and wait for them to get home. But what if Pastor Eric then says, you know what? I'm going to give you all my keys. I'm going to give you the keys to the front door and the garage and the truck and, and the hot tub and the refrigerator and the safe and, and everything in my house. I'm going to give you the keys to my little K kingdom. Now, the next time I roll up, I'm probably not even knocking. <laughs> I'm just getting the key. I'm going on in. And now he has given me full authority because I've been given the keys to operate within his little K kingdom. And so what am I going to do? I'm going in and make myself home. I'm going on in. Man, I, I'm, I'm going to fix me a sandwich. I'm going to get me a pop. I'm going to sit on the couch, turn on the game, kick off my shoes. You know, if I'm feeling a little sweaty, maybe I'll take a shower or get in the hot tub or, you know, whatever it is I want to do. I'm going to do it. Why? Because he has given me the keys and the authority to operate within his kingdom, within the framework of how his kingdom operates. Jesus wants us to understand, I gave you the keys. I gave you the keys to my kingdom to operate fully as my ambassador, as my representative on the earth. Come on. Come on. We're not supposed to be sitting around hoping Jesus does something. Amen? We've been given authority. And then, then he blows it up. You ready? And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now, you and I have all heard that taught badly. Come on now. But here's what I believe with all my heart. Because I understand what he says about authority. What Jesus is saying, whatever you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, as his sons and daughters of the king, those who have been given authority, whatever we bind, heaven will allow to be bound, whether it's good or bad. Come on, man, we don't talk about the other side. And whatever you loose on earth, heaven will allow it to be loosed on earth, whether it's good or bad. And so if you and I decide that what? As a church, as individuals, we're going to bind up pornography. I'll pick one. Guess what? Heaven's going to back that thing up and seeing that thing bound. Amen? But on the other hand, if we decide we're going to lose something, like sexual immorality, guess what? He's going to allow it to be loose because we decided. Listen to me, the church of Jesus Christ is looking at the world and saying, Jesus, come on, you ought to do something. And Jesus wants to remind us, I gave you my authority, I gave you my power, I gave you my presence, I gave you the keys, what are you going to do? I gave you my word to know how to operate, now what are you going to do? See, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to quit sitting in the seat and begin to operate in authority. 
The authority of the king. You say, well, that's messy. That's messy. It's just way easier, Pastor Brian. Can't we just come and get a soft message and go home and feel good? Come on now. No. We're entering an epic season of the church where Jesus says, it's about time we're going to take my church to a new level. A level that none of us have ever experienced. A level that maybe our parents never experienced. And their parents. Why? Because he's been preparing us. He's been getting us ready. He's entrusted us. You say, well, Brian, here's a real question. Why isn't the church operating in that authority? It seems like a no-brainer. Doesn't it? It seems like a no-brainer. We're all smart folk in this room. We can, I think we can figure it out. Amen? This is what the Word says. This is what He said. Why aren't we operating it? Well, let me give you two barriers. Number one, the vast majority of the church doesn't know they have authority. Come on, I, I talk to pastors all the time. I talk to believers all the time. They have no clue they have any authority. The only authority they think is that we're going to sit here and hope that Jesus, ask Jesus if He'll preach do something. Well, let's wait and see what Jesus does. We've been waiting to see on abortion for 60 million babies. Come on now. Come on, I'm, I'm, that's just the truth. The church of Jesus Christ. Because I want you to understand, when we're silent, we're agreeing. Come on now. When we're silent, we're agreeing. But here's the second piece, the second barrier. We don't know how to operate in authority. We may know we have some authority, but how in the world do I even begin to do that? Well, here's the deal. We operate in authority this way. Think in the natural. How many of you are going to go to work tomorrow? Some of you are retired, but a lot of you are going to go to your job tomorrow. And when your boss, whoever that is, CEO down to team leader to whoever it is, says to you, we're having a staff meeting tomorrow, right? Pastor Eric might say, and when they say something, what are they doing? They're exercising authority. You know, Tom, I need you to clean the carpets. <laughs> Whatever that authority, what we do with, because it's within the realm of we've been placed under their authority. Or I, I like the basketball team. When you're on a basketball team, the coach is given authority over the team. And the coach does stuff like that. The coach says, we're going to run this drill. He says, get in a defensive stance. How many of you love the defensive stance? I hated defensive stances. Get on the line, we're going to run. Or in the game, they say, you know, Bill, get in for, for Paul or Sally. I want you to take Susan's man or person, excuse me. And, and, and we, what happens? I, I, Corey, I want you to take the last shot. And we do what they say. Why? Because they're exercising authority. Listen, the coach did not just think it. The church of Jesus Christ is real good at thinking stuff. We're real good at thinking, oh, man, this is really bad, and we all really do something about that. The coach doesn't think, hey, y'all go in the game. The coach doesn't think y'all get on the line. The coach doesn't do He doesn't ponder those things. He only exercises authority when something comes out of his face. Amen? He speaks something, and authority is released. We have to speak. Authority is released by what we say and what we declare. That is where authority is released. And exercising our kingdom authority is going to require us to have a voice. Amen? Man, you were already talking about that this morning. We're lifting up a sound. I love that sound, but listen, I'm going to tell you today, it's more than a sound. See, the coach can blow a whistle. The coach can make a grunt. But until he forms words in a truth and declares it, what happens when I declare a truth? I give it life. When I think it, I haven't given it life. The world does not know the church's authority because we've lost our voice. Sorry to tell you that, but I got good news. In the midst of COVID, if you didn't believe it before, you have to believe it now. In the midst of the greatest thing that's happened in over a century, maybe, maybe in almost since the Civil War in this nation, the Church of Jesus Christ has had about this much voice. Almost, almost none, if, just a little bit to none. No one asked, no one cared. 
Listen to me. That's not authority. And Jesus is looking at his church and saying, man, I've been teaching about my presence. I've been teaching about my power. He says, friends, we've got to start operating in the authority I've given you. We've got to begin to speak. We've got to begin to declare. We've got to begin to exercise that voice. I want to tell you one little more story here. Matthew 8. It says, when Jesus entered Copernicum, a centurion came to him. You remember the story. The centurion came and said, my slave. My slave's sick. He's going to die. Jesus, Jesus, would you heal him? Now, a Roman centurion, pagan, all right? Pagan, Gentile, non-believer, comes to Jesus. And Jesus, what's Jesus say to him? He says, I will come to heal him. But the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but to just say the word and my servant will be healed. For, verse 9, for I am a man under authority and with soldiers under me, and I can say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, it says he comes, and he comes, and to my slave, I can say, do this, and he does it. This guy's like, Jesus, Jesus, I understand your authority. I understand who you are. I understand the authority you came. And all you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. All you got to do is speak the word, Use your voice, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. But here's the reason I tell you that story. Look what Jesus says, verse 10. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And to those who were following him, truly I say to you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Man, that's a powerful statement. In all of Israel, among all of God's chosen people, among all the Levites, among all the priests, among all those who serve the Lord, there is not one that has the kind of faith of this guy. Why? Because he understands authority. And Jesus does what? He says, go, it has been done as you said. Now, wait a minute. you got to get this. Jesus didn't say it. Jesus says, it shall be done as you, as you have believed. The authority of Jesus, he'd already spoken it. Listen, what do we believe? Do we truly believe we have authority? Let me back that up. Do you truly believe, son of the king, Daughter of the king, do you truly believe that you have the authority? Jesus tells another story. Remember when, when he, he withered up the fig tree on his last week in Jerusalem? And the next day the boys come back and they're like, Jesus, you spoke to the tree and said it would never bear fruit again. And, and it's been less than 24 hours, Jesus, and it's dead at the root. And Jesus says to them, if you say to the mountain, come on now, be thrown into the sea and believe it will be done and do not doubt in your heart. Declare with your mouth and believe in your heart, it will be done. Amen? What are we going to believe? What are we going to believe? Well, pastor, you just don't understand. You don't understand, you know, the, devil, you know the, the world's filled with the devil and, and all kinds of stuff out there, and there's not a whole lot we can really do about that. Man, we, we just got, we're just going to come and hang out, and, and we're going to praise and worship, and we're going to sit in our groups, and, and we're going to kind of hunker down and hope that the devil doesn't get us. <clears throat> Jesus did not die for the church. Jesus did not create the church for us to sit back and watch it go on. He said, I gave you power and authority to go do it. I gave you power and authority to take down strongholds. I gave you power and authority to take down the cities that, that the devil is building in your family. To take them down. I'm giving you the gate. I'm giving you authority over them. And not just so you can hang out there, so you can rule there. Overtake it. I'm going to give you the strongholds of your community. I'm going to give you those places. See, I came by today on you know, a divine appointment to just let you know that God is saying to you guys, you've been created for such a time as this. I've given you my presence. I've given you my power. I'm giving you my authority. Now go. 
Go and exercise the authority that I've given you and start taking down gates. I love that back in, in Genesis. The word where it says, I'll give you gates, literally in the Hebrew can be translated as take the hinges off the gate. We're not talking about we got in and then they closed the door. We're talking about breaking them down and taking them off. Come on now. That's what he's called you guys to. That's what he's saying in this epic new season. I heard you crying out this morning for your city. I heard you crying out for what it was the Lord was going to give you. I told Pastor Eric, I don't know, a month and a half, six weeks ago, when I was going to come in March, that the Lord would give me a word for your body. And then he said, well, why don't you come on in February? I said, all right. And man, I'm just just blown away. Because when I was thinking about you guys and praying about you guys, I saw this picture of a a big piece of ocean, of a big ocean bay. And in there were dozens of orca. Killer whales, if you don't know what an orca is. All right? I like calling them orca. And as I saw that picture, and the Lord said that that is New Covenant. That represents New Covenant. Two things the Lord brought to my mind. Number one, orca are incredibly maternal. They operate in maternal groups of five to ten that represent the bloodline. Sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters, all living together for life, doing life together, working together generationally. And the Lord said, New Covenant has this incredible, strong, maternal spirit. A spirit where husbands and wives, moms and dads are raising up sons and daughters to be disciples. Raising up sons and daughters to walk in the fullness of who God's created them to be. Spiritual mothers and fathers raising up sons and daughters to walk in the fullness of the Lord. And he said, you have an incredible maternal spirit and you're generationally operating together. But the second piece is this, that not only do they operate in maternal groups, orca also form pods. And a pod is made up of generally related maternal groups that all come together in a group of 10, maybe 50 And that these maternal groups come together, related groups come together, and they're doing life together. They're hunting together. They're providing for one another. They're caring for one another. They're nurturing one another. And God said, New Covenant has that spirit. Where those maternal groups that are coming together and doing life together and sharing together, doing ministry and life together, But here's the part that blew me away. That not only do they form maternal groups and pods, they form clans. And a clan is made up of multiple pods. And it is pods that come together that have the same sound. (laughs) That have the same communication. Who speak, if you will, the same language and God said I am calling new covenant to be a clan in this region where those believers those pods those other maternal groups in this region come together because you speak the same language to be a regional hub of those who come together to say we're going to the next level see in this next epic season what's happening God's raising up people from all over, all over this region right here. And he says, I'm going to bring them together because you're going to encourage and lift up one another. And you're going to be able to work together. And you're going to be able to do these things as you come together because you're speaking the same language. You're speaking kingdom language. You're speaking the language of the king. You're operating in presence and power and authority. And you're going to come together. Listen to me. The most most powerful thing in all the ocean is a clan. Of Orca. And God's saying to you guys, 
you're going to be the most powerful thing in this region. Not your church, but as you come together. Because here's the second thing the Lord reminded me of when I saw those orca. Orca are the apex predator of the ocean. Great whites, run when they see orca. Giant squid, head the other way. Giant whales want nothing to do with them. They are apex. And God said, I want you to understand, because you're going to walk in my presence, you're going to walk in my power, you're going to walk in my authority, there is no weapon formed against you. There is no stronghold. There's no city the enemy is going to build that will not come down because you are the apex authority in this community, in this region. That's what he's declaring over you. That's what he wants you to understand. And the question is, are you going to walk in it? Are you going to walk in it? Listen, I, that's just what the Lord put on my heart. I don't know where exactly. I heard a lot of cool stuff this morning. I don't know you guys. But man, I can sense your hearts. And God wants to do a powerful thing. He wants to do an incredible thing. And friends, I want you to understand it starts right now. See, as you come out of this fast, as you come out of seeking his presence, draped in his power, operating in his authority, he said the iron's hot. The iron's hot. So I don't know what that means. That means it's time to fry it up. <laughs> it's time to fry it up. The reality is it's today. It starts today. It starts with strongholds today. It starts with gates being possessed today. In your life, in your family, in, this, in, our, in your church, and in this region, in the place where you work. It starts today. And he says, if you'll bind those things up, if you'll take the city gates, he said, I'll back it up. Come on, because it ain't, it ain't us. It's all him, amen? He says, when you line up, when you begin to speak my word, when you begin to declare what I say, Come on. Cancer, every disease will be healed. Come on. You know, brokenness, relational brokenness will be healed. Every demon must leave. That's his word. And he says, when you give life to that, I'm backing it up. But here's the danger. We can think it all day long, but until we speak it, nothing happens. We'll close with a little story. Uh, almost 20 years ago, 19 years ago, I come from a long family who has battled anxiety. My grandmother was an anxiety mess. In her later years, she couldn't even get out of the house because she was so afraid. My dad and his two brothers both suffered. My dad to the point where when we were kids, he ate nerve pills every day, all the time. He would sit in the chair for hours, staring, paralyzed by fear. My brothers, I got two brothers and a sister. My next brother, he eats pills every day and has the emergency pill when the one pill won't do enough. And I'm not against pharmaceuticals, please don't hear that. My younger brother is battling. His, his daughter has been in and out of the hospital battling fear and anxiety and depression. It's a generational curse. In 2002, I thought I was going to die. I really did. First time I'd ever experienced at that level the anxiety, and I thought I was literally going to die. The Lord set me free from that. I took the pills for a while, but he set me free. And for, for 15, 16, 17 years now, I've not really battled it. But I had ankle replacement surgery the first of November. I sat in the chair for six weeks. I stared at TV uh, you know, and stared at my phone. Christmas came and it was weird. I spent most of January in the house. About mid-month January, one night I woke up at 1230 in the night and I thought I was going to die. But I knew what it was. 
and I began to pray, and I began to think in my mind, Lord, this, this, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do this, and for a couple of days, man, I'm a wreck. When, when that happens to me, it takes two or three days to really recover. And after about the third day, I'm sitting in my office, and I can feel it coming on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says to me, Brian, if you'd speak something, I could deal with that. And all of a sudden, I begin to say, all right. And so right there in my office, I just begin to declare and to break off the fear and the anxiety. Man, I could, I could feel it lifting. And let me tell you, in the last two or three weeks, it's better, but it's still, it's still happening. But every single time, you know what happens? I begin to speak and declare and say, you know what? No, that weapon cannot it cannot be formed against me. It cannot stop me. It cannot keep me dead in my tracks. See, it's going to take speaking and declaring his truth over the stronghold, over the city, over the thing that the enemy's been building. It's not my word. It's his word. What's he say? What's his word say? God, Jesus said, I gave you the authority. I gave you the book to tell you what to do. Here's the authority. Now speak it and declare it. And I don't know how we're going to end, but I, I just want to challenge you. Maybe this morning we need to do a little speaking. Come on. There's some of you here this morning. There's some stuff that we just need to speak off. We need to declare over. And so I'm going to invite you to come and, as, and say, you know what, we need, however that works here, but we're going to come and, and begin to break those things off. Begin to declare. Say, I'm not going home with this thing. I'm going to go home with weapons that are divinely created for tearing down strongholds. I'm going home with weapons. I may, it may creep up on me tomorrow, but I'm going to have a weapon to deal with it because I'm going to get free. Amen? Amen. So I'm just going to invite, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to come. Lord, I, I just pray, thank you for this group and Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, right now, Lord, we, we, we don't want to just hear your word. Lord, we want to walk in your word. We just don't want to hear about your authority. Lord, we want to operate in your authority. And God, your desire this morning is to set some folk free, to break some stuff off. And so, Lord, we just ask, Holy Spirit, would you just lead those who need it broken off? And Father, as we bind those things, as we speak, declare over those things, we're believing, we're believing and not doubting, Lord, that they will be removed. They will be removed. Lord, we just give you praise, and we give you honor, and we give you glory. In your mighty name, amen.